Hey, welcome to the 1826 podcast. My name is Joe and I'm the leader of the 1826 young adult community here at Faith Chapel. I just want to let you know really quickly, we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. in our church lobby. I encourage you to check us out on Instagram at 1826FC so you can kind of get a feel for what we're about. Without any further ado, let's dive into the message. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for this time that we have with you and that we can come together and learn more about you and your word. Um, We praise you for the ability to be in a community. Um, It's not given everywhere, Father. It's not offered everywhere. So we're so thankful that we are able to partake in um, being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. I I pray that you would grow us, um, not just tonight, but every moment of every day, Lord, that you would just remind us that you are near and that uh, we can draw close to you through troubled times, through challenging times. I ask that the needs that are in this room right now, Father, the the needs that um, have not even been spoken yet, the needs that you know about, um, would be delivered in a timely way, um, in a way that we would not have to stress or be anxious, that you would just draw near to us um, and let us know that you are still in control and that you have every single plan. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, I, th- I think that this is going to be the last time we talk about David in this particular series, which is exciting and also sad, but I was looking back at my notes today, and we've done this now for nine weeks. We've been in the David series for almost three months, so um, if, if you were here on week one, it's definitely time to move on. It's uh, <laughs> Time, Matias, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but uh, it, it, it's been fun. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. David's literally my favorite in all the Bible, so I've, I've really enjoyed this. Um, we're going to start a series uh, based off of Grace's dad's book, Quit the Church. So if you've been wanting to quit the church or you know a friend that has been wanting to quit church, invite them and tell them that this is the series for them. Um, it's, it's probably not what you're expecting, but we're going to go into quit church, um, either next week or the week after I'll get the info out to you. Uh, we're going to be in Samuel, second Samuel 18. If you want to go there in your Bibles, we'll be more in 19, but we're going to start the very last verse of second Samuel 18. And this particular passage is unique because we find David in a very unpredictable state that we haven't seen yet. Um, where David's confidence is shaken, not because of what's happening to him, but because of the person that he's actually becoming. And David, in this moment, has been king. He has been um, through some really amazing events in his life, but we find him here, confidence almost unstable. And so I want to read this to you. The king was shook. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And then in chapter 19, verse 1, Joab was told, The king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning, which is the opposite of what God does. God doesn't take victories and turn them into losses. God takes losses and turns them into victories. He takes broken people and makes them whole again. He takes unsaved and makes them saved. He turns bad into good. That's what God is. That's what he's in the business of doing. So why is David in mourning? 
David is in mourning, yes, because his son has died, but he is in mourning because Absalom, his son, tried to overtake him as king. And we'll get into that later. But it's not Absalom's actions. It was David's actions as a dad, where he's now realizing, I wish I could have died instead of you because this is not your fault. This is not your fault that you acted out in the way that you did. If I would have been a better father, if I would have been more present in your life, if I would have done the things necessary and I would have equipped you, this would not have to have happened. So now David is mourning. And I I think we get really confused where we're unable to enjoy a victory because of a bad day or we're unable to enjoy a season because we had a moment in time that did not go our way. We, We... feel sadness during a, a season full of joy. We, we feel the experience of failure during a season that is actually very successful. Uh, I was thinking about it today in the sense of if we've ever been on family vacation before, we can connect the dots here, right? We have felt stressed out during a time where we're supposed to be resting, right? If you've ever been on family vacation, you know. You can experience failure in a season of success. You can experience loneliness in a season where you're in tremendous amounts of communities. You can go through hardship, a a moment of hardship, in a day where the Lord has, has orchestrated goodness. And so we see David unable to celebrate this God delivered victory because of what he had lost, which is which is his son. And the verse continues, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men and who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, oh, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and of your concubines. Joab is being used not to comfort David. I I hope we all have a Joab in our life who will come to us and say, you know what? No, I'm not gonna let you sit in this place. I'm not gonna let you be like this for this long. We have other stuff. You won. Look at all the things that God has done in your life. Look at all the victories that he has given you. And you are upset because we did what we were supposed to do. And now you're going to humiliate everybody around you who cares about you and who loves you and has literally devoted their lives to your success because you're out mourning the people who were against you. I, I want to point out um, the, the first verse again. He went up to the room over the gateway. And then the verbiage changes to he went into the gateway. So, so when Joab is going up to David, he finds David in a place where David has isolated himself from reality. He's isolated himself from the situation because he would rather sit in his own mourning than face the consequences of his actions. And, and that is a place where we have all been, whether we want to admit it or not. We have all pushed away the harsh reality of our actions. 
And, and I hope we have somebody who will challenge us, not comfort us. I hope we have somebody who's going to say, you know what? You are not sitting in the right place. And God never appointed you or created you to sit up here in isolation by yourself. He made you to be the king over this land in the gate with the people. Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your lives and the lives of your son and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. Why, David, I'm just curious, why do you keep clinging to people who keep pushing you away? Why do you keep running back to people who don't care about you? Why, I'm just, I'm curious, why is it every single time, David, that, that when people stand up for you, you run the opposite direction? Why do you keep chasing? It's not, I'm, I'm just, you love those who hate you and hate those and hate those who love you. What's up with that? I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why you keep running back to him or keep running back to her. I, I don't understand because every time they, they let you down, I don't, I don't really understand it. So, so why, why you have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were, were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. And this will be worse for you than all the calamities that you have come upon you from your youth till now. And so David does something profound yet simple. In verse 8, he says, So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. He goes from a place of isolation to a place where he's going to take his problem head on. We are seeing the product of what happens to your confidence when you are unable to, to sustain good character. You cannot have true confidence and lack good character. You can't do it. You can hype yourself up. You can, you can wear nice clothes. You can drive a nice car. And you can feed off this external confidence. But your confidence, good, healthy confidence, will never be fueled by bad character. It won't happen for you. So why does God choose somebody who's so dysfunctional? Because we get to this part of the story in David's life, and, and, and David has done some questionable things, to, to say the very least. We have David and Bathsheba. And if you don't know about Bathsheba, David takes a bath with Bathsheba. It's this big thing. It's horrible. And uh, to make himself feel better about it, he has her husband murdered. That's pretty dysfunctional. And then within his own house, David's son rapes David's daughter, and both of these children come from different mothers. That's pretty dysfunctional. So why does God choose David? Why would God choose somebody to be the king who's so dysfunctional? And I want to note, God knows and sees David's heart. He sees David's flaws, and he still chooses them anyway. God saw the daddy issues that, that David had with Jesse when Jesse would degrade him and say, you're going to be nothing more than any of your brothers and just go out to the field. You're, you're meaningless to us. We're not even inviting you to dinner. That, that's, that's dysfunctional. God said that's the one. 
God saw the lustful heart that would come out with Bathsheba when David got older and, and would cause problems over his kingdom and over his life and over his promise. God said, I want that one. It's dysfunctional. I, I hope this encourages you that your dysfunction does not disqualify you from your calling. And your mistakes do not limit God's ability to use you or work through you. Now, this does not mean that David will not have consequences. David will have consequences, and they will be severe. David ends up losing his son. That's a pretty rough consequence in the meantime. And you can pick your decisions, but you cannot pick your consequences. You can pick who enters your gate, but you cannot decide what that person does when they enter in. You, you can pick the influence that the world has on your soul, but you cannot determine how tight of a grip it will have on your soul. Within the gate, so many things happen that are dysfunctional that David doesn't have control of. And Joab is saying, if you do not become the person that God designed you to become, if you do not become the king that God designed you to be, if you do not step up, if you do not get out of this place where you feel sorry for yourself, where you're cutting yourself off from everyone, if you don't do this, then this dysfunction will ultimately control your life. How does dysfunction enter the gate? Absalom, we get back to Absalom. Absalom was the gatekeeper. Absalom, the Bible says, was very handsome. Absalom had very, very long, flowing hair. And so he would sit at the gate, and when people would come and want to talk to David, he would say, sorry, my dad's busy, but if I were the king, I would make time for you. Oh, what, what did you need? Yeah, I don't think my dad will go for that. But if I were the king, I would make it happen for you. And so even without David's knowledge, Absalom is starting to take over one by one by one. And year after year after year of this influence, all of a sudden, Absalom feels like he has enough power to overthrow his father. And so he's going to make a run for it. Well, one day he's making a run for it. He's riding horseback through the wilderness. His long hair gets stuck on a tree. I'm not lying. He hangs from his hair and David's men find him and kill him. And that's how we get to this point. That's how the dysfunction enters the gate. Who's watching your gate? Who's watching your soul? Who's watching the most important things that are in your mind and in your life right now? Who's watching over your friends and over your family? You have to be careful who protects your gate. In the process of trying to overthrow David, Absalom is murdered, which leaves his father feeling not only a failure as a parent, but as a king. And we see him do something so simple and profound. He is challenged by a friend, and he picks up his seat, and he moves it to within the problem. I'm not mad at you, Joab. I'm not mad at you for calling me out. I know you love me. I know you care for me. And so I'm going to make the change. We don't, we don't tend to do this a lot. We get called out and we're just like, what do you know? What, what do you, what, what, you're just saying, you don't, you don't know them like that. Hey, I don't think you should be dating this person. Well, you don't know them like that. I don't, I don't think you should take that job. Well, it's better than the one I got now. I don't think you should go to school here. What do you mean I shouldn't go to here? You don't want me to have this? 
That's our attitude. But the king, watch, watch how a king behaves. The king says, I receive the criticism. I receive the challenge. And now I'm making a change. It's not worth my isolation is not worth my influence with others. My, 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 my sadness and my sorrow is not worth my integrity. And so I'm making a change. And he sits down in the gate. He sits down in the problem. He sits down in the place where his son walked. And the Bible doesn't say this, but, but the attitude of David must have been like, I'm back. I'm back. I've been away for a second, but I'm back. I've been away from you, God, but I'm back now. I haven't acted like a king lately now, but I'm, but I'm back. I haven't prayed for a minute, but I'm back. I haven't been in your presence. I haven't entered into your gates, but I'm back now. My heart is broken, but I'm back. I've made some mistakes, but I'm back. I wish things were different, but I'm back. I, I, I haven't been the father I was supposed to be. I haven't been the friend I was supposed to be, but I'm back. Picture yourself today, removing yourself from the shame, from the neglect, from the thing that kept you stagnant and entering into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. What would your life look like if you said, I'm leaving the past shame, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm done looking over the situation that I should be handling. I want you to, to think about tomorrow. This is what I want you to do when you, when you get in your car and you put on the, the, the praise music that you haven't listened to in so long. I want you to declare over yourself, I'm back. When, when, you, when you say your prayers tonight, the prayer that you haven't prayed in weeks, I want you to declare that, oh, like, I'm back. When you read that devotional, just be, say to yourself, like, I'm back. I haven't, I haven't been doing this, and I should have, and, I, and now I'm doing it again, and I'm back. I'm, I'm back on my, my good habits. I'm back in my prayer time. I'm not gonna spend the next five years blaming people because of what happened in the past five years. That, that's not me, I'm, I'm, I'm over that and I'm back now. If David dealt with Absalom at the gate, his son would not had to have died in the wilderness. If I would have dealt with that thought at the beginning, if I would have dealt with that thought at the gate, if I would have dealt with the, the depression at the gate, if I would have dealt with it at the gate, if I would have dealt with the person at the gate, maybe they would still be here. If I would have dealt with the, 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 the thought at the gate, maybe I wouldn't have chosen to, to go that route. But I have to get in the habit of dealing with my problems at the gate before they control what's inside of it. I want you to think about your future and some of the decisions you'll have to make. I want you to think about or declare, it's coming, the hardship is coming, the, the, the hard conversation is coming, but I'm gonna deal with it at the gate. I'm not gonna let it manifest into something. I'm not gonna let it, even the things I don't even know about, God, let's handle it at the gate. My calling is too important to me, my faith is too important to me, my relationships are too important to me, my family is too important to me. So I am declaring that I'm going to handle it at the gate. And I say, thank you, Joab, whoever that is in your life. I, I say, thank you for calling me out. 
out of the place and back into where I was supposed to be because God did not create you to live in dysfunction. So handle it at the gate. What would your life look like if you had the conversation now instead of letting it filter for three months? What would your life look like if, if you handled things now instead of letting it control your everyday thoughts or everyday mind? What, what would your life look like if, if, if the, the hard conversation that you had to have or, or the, 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 the Joab to David conversation that you had needed to have with somebody, the wake-up conversation, what would, your, what, what would your life look like? And more importantly, what would the life of everybody around you look like? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you in this place. We thank you for your word and how it inspires us. We thank you for the failures of the Bible and how we can learn. God, we, we pray for anybody who feels like they're in a, a place of isolation, like they're in this upper place looking down at all their problems. God, I ask that you would just give them the courage and the strength or send the messenger to say, you know what, it's time to get back in. It's time to face these problems. God, I ask a special prayer over these people that you would just comfort them in their needs. We ask you, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope that message encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I want to let you know that we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. You're free to join us. We'd love to meet you. We meet on campus at our home church, Faith Chapel San Diego. You can look us up online. You can follow us on Instagram at 1826 for more info. We hope to see you soon.